In Sex After, we are getting raw and honest about the most challenging aspects of sex, intimacy, and relationships after seismic change. This is Amy Marks. We're having intimate and unfiltered conversations with people who've been through life-altering experiences, and I'm finding out what sex and intimacy are like for them in the after. We're getting naked physically and getting naked emotionally. This is Sex After. I'm really looking forward to talking to Stephanie Germino today, who is known on social media as the boobless babe. She's a BRCA1 provider with over 1.5 million followers on TikTok and over 78,000 followers on Instagram. Stephanie's grandmother, aunt, uncle, and mother all had the BRCA gene for breast cancer. Her mother and grandmother chose to have preventative double mastectomies and hysterectomies. So at 27, Stephanie got genetic testing and tested positive for the BRCA genetic mutation, which put her at an 87% chance risk of developing breast cancer in her lifetime. So at 28, she made the choice to get a prophylactic double mastectomy without reconstruction. It's going to be a very interesting conversation to have with Stephanie because I had a double mastectomy and it was very important for me to get implants. Stephanie is an inspiration to so many and I really am looking forward to introducing you to her and having this very important conversation. Welcome, Stephanie. With me, when I finally did decide to get testing, it was simply because I did one. I did have my son when I was 23. I breastfed him for two years. I re started realizing that I was getting a lot of fibroids around mm -hmm. my breast when I was getting my period. A lot of cysts were popping up. And I would always get them checked out. And they would be just normal or right. nothing, you know, as they like to just push it off. And then I got a cyst in my armpit. And I was getting really, you know, aware of the fact that I'm like, oh, let's start paying attention to the things we put on our body since we're mm -hmm. more susceptible to certain stuff. And then finally at 27, I was just like, okay, maybe this is something I should finally test for. I know that this is something, you know, my family history, it, my cousin actually got tested, came back positive and her mother was devastated. And again, I'm not trying to come off as being insensitive, but I just didn't, I didn't grasp why it was so right. like heart wrenching and devastating. And I'm like, okay, it's a test. All right. My mom and my aunt went through, got their double mastectomy and hysterectomy and you know, Bob's your uncle. They're good. But I know that they're <laughs> the older generation. So they, you know, doing a total hysterectomy at the age of 27 wasn't even an option for me because right, right. for home hormones and menopause, of, of course, course. BRCA affects the ovaries or that's what you're concerned about. So removing those just in general would cause you to do that. But when I turned 27 and I got my testing done, it was just a quick blood draw. Um, I was really like surprised at how easy it was. And they're like, all right, we'll tell you in two weeks if you're positive or not. And then I got the phone call and I was positive. I will say, looking back at it now, I would do the entire experience differently when it comes to testing. I'm curious about that because my experience with testing was a little different. So I got tested. I'm a survivor for 14 years. I had breast cancer. So wow. when I was tested, when I had cancer 14 years ago and I got tested, I did not have the gene, which people were really shocked about because they all thought right. I'd have the gene because my mother died of breast cancer at 50. 
but I want to get retested because since that time, they're always finding new genes. And that's why I said I would like to, I would do it over again. And I'm actually going to, in a sense, do it over again. Um, one of my friends is a genetic counselor. I had and- to go to a genetic counselor. See, they wouldn't, so do my, they wouldn't do my testing without my seeing a genetic counselor. I had to right. counsel before I tested. I think that it's crazy. I did he- I did get a call from a genetic counselor after I tested positive and it was a very brief 10 minute call. And I don't know, maybe if it was on my part that I was just more so like, yeah, I know what that means. All right, cool kind of thing. But I feel like she was more so there for me if, as to console me if I right, was right. very torn about it. Whereas now knowing I met my friend uh, Dina DNA um, from the Breasties and mm-hmm. She kind of broke it down to me. We had been following each other for a while and she broke it down to me. She's like, no, this, it should have been at least like an hour long conversation. That absolutely. She have had with Ab- absolutely. And I'm like, no, that's not the case. So her and I are actually going to work together and she's going to run my whole panel again and tell me all the things. Cause like I said, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And right. of course. I just found out that I was only, you know, there's so much. And what I didn't know from my testing, what I didn't know is that I could get it. I have a lot of cancer in my family. My father had kidney cancer, prostate cancer, that my BRCA could not only come from my mother, it could also come from my father. That's actually how my cousin inherited her BRCA mutation because her father is my my mother's brother and he was positive for it, not knowing. And then it was finally when she tested positive, he got tested. That's why I love that we're talking. There's such important conversations to have because I think people don't talk about this stuff. Not at all. Again, they don't talk about it at all. Very taboo. And it's crazy. And let's talk, let's now with talking about taboo, when you found out that you were positive, what was the next thing you did? Oh, right after I got my phone call, the first person I called was my fiance, Diana. And mm-hmm. I told her, and I, I mean, I prepped her. We had at that point been together for, I believe at least like two to three years Mm -hmm. and so she was aware of the fact that you know this is a potential and again I was just strangely calm like of course I had a little bit of emotions about it and again I don't want to ever come off seeming like I'm insensitive because obviously I it's my personal journey and I know how this can affect everybody differently but she was like, hey, are you okay? Like, do you need me to come to you? And I'm like, no, I'm okay. Like, yeah, it sucks, but now I have to do what I have to do. And again, I think that just comes with the fact that I knew at that point for almost nine years, 10 years right. of my potential of being positive. So I automatically took on the belief that, yeah, you are, you're going to have to deal with this kind of thing. Stephanie, I think what you said is so important. You said it's your personal journey, and I want to talk to you more about that because so much of this is choice, our choice, what is right Right. for us, not what's right for the other person. How we respond is how we respond. There's no right or wrong way with how we respond. Absolutely. It's different for every, it's different for every person. Like I remember when I got my diagnosis and I was of cancer and I was sitting uh, at the doctor's office and she said to me, it's cancer. My best girlfriend was with me and my best girlfriend started to like weep and I bawling, 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 Stephanie. And this is what I did. I go, shut the fuck up. There's no time for tears. We've got shit. We've got to get done. I, that is what I did. And I think to this day, she's like still horrified that I did that. But at that moment for me, and I'm really emotional, but for that moment at me, I was like, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm. I have to make a plan. Right, you go into this flight or fight mode that you, you do. don't really process what you're going on. It's like, 
get yourself together, slap her out of it. It's like, you're exactly right. Went through this. Everybody else is breaking down around you. And I'm like, actually, and I am very big with mindset and the Mm -hmm. things that you believe you can consume and become part of you. Me too. And so everybody telling you, Oh, poor you or, Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. It's like, I, I understand where you're coming from. I appreciate your sympathies, but right now what I need is an action plan. I need, you know, my support system to be like, you got this. This is absolutely, you know, just another bump in the road for sort of speak. But I just know that it's everybody does respond differently. That's and right. that's why I, I do kind of tiptoe around it because it's like I I feel guilty in a sense that I didn't have such an emotional toll. Now, don't get me wrong during the procedure and everything like that, like I did get a little anxiety and I did have um, some emotions after the fact. But it wasn't just because of like, oh my God, this is happening to me. It it was pertaining to other situational things. But the guilt thing, I don't mean to cut you off, but the guilt thing is so interesting. And I want to talk to you more about that because when I did not have chemo or radiation because I did the onco test and I didn't need it. But I felt guilty that I didn't have chemo. Didn't have to go through that. I did. I did. Here here I lost my breath. Like I made the choice. Right. Which is a huge, huge decision to make. And I'm like, well, I can't really call myself a cancer survivor because I didn't have chemo. I didn't lose my hair. That And that's so crazy to me because I have found out, you know, that this is actually, this feeling's normal for pre-vivers too, you know, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people can just, there's an argument with the term pre-viver or whatever, right. but I think in, in within the cancer community, we're accepted as well. But there is such thing as pre-vivers guilt where it's like, I can't be even anywhere near the same platform as a survivor. Like what? I didn't go through the struggle. Yes. I chose to be flat. I chose to give up my boobs. And there's so many women who didn't choose this, who unfortunately had to fight for their life. Yeah. And I do feel guilty. It is like that survivor's guilt, but I don't use the word survivor. I use the pre-viver in that. And I'm just like, no, with the, with the help of the breasties, they've really helped me to actually, you know, just stand in that like, yes, their their journey looks different than yours, but you're right. still a part of your own journey and you made hard choices and you unfortunately had to go through something because of this unfortunate diagnosis. That's right. It doesn't make you any less than and it doesn't make them any greater than. It just makes it different and you're you're both on the same journey, just walking different paths. Absolutely. Can you do me a favor? Can you just, uh, because you keep talking about the breasties, can you tell me who the breasties are? Oh my God, I love these women. Yes, these are a group of badass individuals that reached out to me um, a couple like months back. I had started following them because, again, it's such a taboo subject that I truly believe cancer and gynecological cancers, breast cancers, and all of that is just not spoken enough outside of the month. I of agree. October. I agree. I didn't know where to look for anything like that. And then uh, I just found the breasties and I'm like, what? This is one fun name. Love it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's their slogan is the worst club with the best members. It's great. And they are a group of individuals who have many different support groups for all walks of life, for every stage of the journey. You know, they have the caregivers, even there's a group for them, for people, of course, because like, can you, I can't even imagine what it's like to take care of somebody and put and have that energy, you know, and they have a 
for them. And I think that is so important because I, um, in my show, I have a show, Nice Tits, which is all about losing my boobs and finding, the perfect, pair, finding <laughs> the perfect pair of new breasts. But I, I have talked back sometime and I talk about the caregivers because for me, I sadly understand it from both because I right. lost my mother and yeah. I, right? And I think that it's so important for the caregivers to have a voice because it's difficult for them as well. They go through it too. And speaking of guilt, they probably many feel guilty that they're having their own per they're having their own feelings. Exactly. And the thing is, is that they shouldn't feel guilty. And you know that you can tell that to anybody not to feel guilty. And it's like, Oh gee, thanks. That's going to make it feel all better. But it's, the, not only do they have the caregiver space too, which I think it, the reason I point that out is because again, I haven't seen anything like that except for like in the, in the movies where it's like in the basement and like yeah, of a church yeah. and whatever, mm -hmm. it's like support groups and stuff like that. No, this is like a monthly meetup for them, for anybody who is BIPOC, uh, LGBT survivors, vi uh, thrivers and pre-vivers. They have so many different um, meetings. And then before, before COVID, they had so many different, actual in-person right meetups. right they have monthly virtual meetups they have a camp every year once mm -hmm. a year and I just went to that in June and I spoke on uh one of the most amazing panels ever and they had so many different um actual people and what is the word? experts uh -huh. they had uh -huh. experts and doctors and just so many different panels of discussion and they just hold such great space they give you so much knowledge That's right and I wish I would have found them prior to my surgery. I didn't find them until after. And again, like I said, if I could go back and redo everything, I would. I would still go flat, but at least I would feel a little bit more empowered. I will say with this journey that I've been on, I have grown to feel even more empowered with right. knowledge that I'm so glad that I have opportunities like this so that I can share what I do know and and coming across the breasties for one. And I hope anybody listening to this who may feel alone or doesn't know where to turn to start there even, and they're a great well of information. And we'll post the link in their Instagram, but I love that you are out there now as a voice and an advocate, but I want to back up a little bit about yeah. when you made that choice to go flat. So it's a very interesting story. And for the longest, like I said, I found out around 18 that I had mm -hmm. the possibility of being positive. Right. And again, the very immature and ignorant me thought, oh, my mom got free reconstruction, free implants. And I think this is probably one of the worst things you can tell a survivor, previvor, or anybody who has to go through losing their breasts. Oh, yeah, it's a free boob job. And it's like, uh, I'm embarrassed for myself. <laughs> like that, but that's because... Growing up, I did not like my boobs whatsoever. It was a very big point of insecurity for me. And so I was always, it's, I think it's, what you know, didn't you like? What didn't you like about your boobs? Just naturally, they weren't as what I thought, quote unquote, perky. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm young, like, but I didn't understand the body and how right. it works, like right. genetics and how that plays into a part. And then, so like, even at a very young age, when I started developing breasts, like one of my best friends from childhood, she developed very early. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm always comparing myself and I'm like, okay, they don't look like that. And they're very, you know, small and already they're not like filled on the top. Like, and so I was just dissecting myself from a young age. And so when I found out that I had this potential for a 
free boob job, quote right. unquote. I was right. like, all right, that's the route I'm going to go. Get them off, get implants. Bob's your uncle saving money. And I thought that for the pretty much extent of like 18 to 27. Mm -hmm. It wasn't mm -hmm. until a month before my actual surgery date did my mind change. And the reason my mind changed was my fiance and I had this, this conversation of, okay. And she's completely for whatever I want to do. My body autonomy, That's right. like nothing against any type of like active surgery you want to mm -hmm. do on your body. She did sit me down and obviously kind of just spoke literally to me. She's like, okay, you, I support you no matter what. I love you. All of the nice things. I just want you to think about the fact that you're doing a preventative surgery right. to reduce your risk of getting, you know, getting anything or anything like that. You do know, and I, I think it did kind of help in a sense that a lot of our friends that we were knowing with implants were kind of having issues with them. And I know that's not everybody's no, about case. About breast implant uh, illness. Illness. Yeah. 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 And so that's the thing. I don't know if it was just a sign from the universe and God and was like uh, point putting multiple mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. in my in my vicinity that were getting explants at the time. Right. And I was just like, you know, you're right. And she's like, and then do you want to possibly deal with more complications in the future because you're doing this preventative surgery? And I was like, all right. I mean, you're right. I get that. Like, I, cause the thing is, is that I wasn't a hundred percent set with having implants because like, again, I didn't know what good boobs were. Right. Because right. I, in my mind, my boobs weren't good boobs. Right. And so I was like, all right. And again, you know, I, I think aesthetically for me, I've seen, my, I love my shoulders. I love this kind of athletic look mm -hmm. that I have. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what else was out there though. It wasn't until I went on TikTok and I found this account called Statistical Oddity. Unfortunately, she has been battling cancer mm. for quite some time mm -hmm. and a lot of issues. However, she was the first woman flatty that mm -hmm. I had ever seen. And I was like, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. This is an option? How did you do that? Wow. Literally, I had never seen an aesthetic flat closure ever. I automatically, just like most people, thought it was top surgery. Mm -hmm. And so when I was like, oh, I did more research on her account. And I was like, oh, my goodness. This is an actual technical reconstruction after a double mastectomy. Right. I brought it up to my surgeon at the time and was telling him, now, mind you, I have a bad taste in my mouth from my original surgeon. So he was, and this does matter. He was, you know, an older white. I knew, I knew you were going to, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it, the thing is, is it happens more often than not the flat denial. It is a thing. I brought it up to him and he was so against it. He was like, well, because you have bigger boobs already, you have so much extra skin. And mind you, I did breastfeed my son for two years. Right. Oh, wow. You do have so much extra skin that we could put in big implants for you. And I'm like, no, thanks, actually. And I had to keep advocating. He's like, well, maybe even just the Goldilocks procedure, which What's is the where they leave the sacs of your breast, just the skin. Right. And so that way, when you change your mind you can have implants put in instead of having, cause like I can still have implants. I would just have to go through the expanders. That's what I had. That's what I had. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm okay. Cause he showed me a picture of what the Goldilocks procedure would look like. And I'm like, absolutely not. That was like 
and this is not to shame anybody who's had it, but the picture he had showed me looked like exactly what I did not want to be left on my body after my aesthetic flap closure. Because unfortunately, as we've coming to find out, aesthetic flap closures are not so easily done or as widely practiced as we'd like to think. A lot of the times now we're having to look at surgeons who specialize in top surgery. Because it's funny enough, that top surgery has a better and more consistent outcome than an aesthetic flap closure. Can you talk about what top surgery is? Absolutely. So top surgery and double mastectomy are virtually almost the same surgery. Mm -hmm. However, the difference is one is done. Both of them are life-saving surgery in my opinion, Mm -hmm. but one of them is done with a more aesthetic look in mind. Mm -hmm. And it's not the one with the name aesthetic flap closure, unfortunately. So with top surgery, they're not worried about removing all of the breast tissue. They're just removing as much breast tissue as, that makes mounds, the boobs. Right, right. And so they will close you up as neat as possible to create um, whatever type of pec look you want. Mm-hmm. Now, and that's when you're going female to male. Correct. Now with aesthetic flat closures, they are trying to get as much breast tissue as they can out of your body to reduce your risk of getting breast cancer. Now they can't take all breast tissue out because we have that in our collarbones and our arms and everywhere else other than our chest. So they'll take as much as they can from your chest, virtually leaving you absolutely nothing in your chest, but they're not doing it with the aesthetic purpose in mind. They don't really care how they close you. And again, this doesn't apply to all surgeons Mm -hmm, because I've mm -hmm. seen beautiful closures. But nine times out of 10, they don't care how they leave you. It's more so for a life-saving surgery Uh, rather than like an aesthetic look. And I'm such an advocate that you need to find the plastic surgeon that's right for you. You need to go to as many people as you need to go because it's our body and we have to live with ourselves every day. And I'm so glad you brought that up is because I, I today just posted a video both on TikTok and Instagram speaking on how I want to go in for another revision. I did have one revision already on my right side, which was my bigger breast before when I did have boobs. And both of my sides were done by different surgeons, if you can believe that. One was done by an attending, one was done by a resident. The side that my resident did, I Was felt- it done at the same time? Was one- Yes. Okay, I, I don't mean to stop you, but when I got my nipples out of my skin- my doctor was on one side and an attending was on the other. Yeah. And they, I feel like they're not this, they're like a little different. They are different. Yes. Yes. Like you, you could tell at this time, like, yes, I, I get it. The right one was bigger. So there's a lot more skin on that. But as an, as the actual attending, the person who's been doing this for the longest, I feel like that side should have been better. Right. No, the left side. And again, I can't say that it doesn't matter, but it, the left side was done by the resident who is LGBTQIA. He, and then he also just like automatically that made me feel bonded to them because it's like, you care about my bodily autonomy. Yeah. You care about what I'm asking. He's like, I can make you as flat as possible. Now, again, I do want to get a revision on my entire chest just because it's been enough time that I've realized like I do have extra skin here Mm -hmm. and there, Mm -hmm. but I want people to realize that there is so much to take into consideration. Just like you said, you should be able to choose your surgeon and know exactly what you're getting and do the research. But for somebody like me who didn't know what they didn't know, I'm now just finding this out. And unfortunately, this will, if I get a surgeon who says, yes, we should 
probably do another revision on you, mm-hmm. then this will be my third surgery, unfortunately, with this. Now, I'm hoping they can potentially do it, like, with local anesthetics and, you know, take it out rather than having to go under again. But I'm a huge advocate for doing what you need to do for your body to feel good in your body because you're right. We will, we're the only ones who live in it forever. 1000%. Tons of people who tell me, oh, you look perfect. I want to be, I want to have your flat. And I'm like, yes, thank you. I appreciate that. You're not the one who has to look down at their chest when they're sitting. Totally 1000%. Like I want to, I I, I always, every time I talk about my breast, I can't help but touch them. I can't like talk about it without like touching. Oh yeah, no, that's that's I know. I see you doing it too. We're we're both like, we're both like keep touching ourselves. Exactly. (laughs) But um, I had nipples made out of my own skin. And I had tattoos. I know you're a tattoo artist and have gorgeous, gorgeous tattoos. They're beautiful. Thank you. Um, I want to. Uh, I want to go and get tattooed. I want to get the. Three, I want to get the three D nipples. That that. Do you know about the three D nipples? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what I want to get because for me, because I I want to feel beautiful. And then we when we will get talking about like sex and intimacy, I really feel like it's about me feeling beautiful, it and is. accepting me, so my partner becomes comfortable. It's and all about me being thing, comfortable. Like. We we put the emphasis on sex, and this was part of the panel that uh, I, I was speaking on with the Breasties in right. June, is that so much emphasis is on the other person when you're having sex and, like, how you're supposed to show up and perform for them. How, but my question for people is, like, if you believe that... And you can't also believe then that if you feel good, you look good, or if you look good, you feel good. And it's like how a lot of the times people don't dress up for other people. People dress up for themselves right. and people work out for themselves. Absolutely. Well, do things for themselves because it's like you exude confidence when you truly are confident in yourself. And a lot of people always ask me, well, how are you so confident? And what's funny is that my confidence, I've always been confident and it's a part of my Leo energy, <laughs> but it wasn't until I actually got my boobs removed that I was like, oh no, I really am hot shit. Like I am fine because it's like, I think that my breasts for the longest were a point of insecurity, whether I, I, you know, I could look back and think about that now, but for the longest time growing up, that was, and I, you know, in a sense, got rid of them. So it's like, wow, actually, you know, I, I'm Stephanie, not a- why do you think we have so much, because I feel like a, another really important conversation to have is before we can completely talk about losing our breasts, it's like talking about our relationship to our breasts and the pressure as women that we have about our breasts and why so many people are like, I don't like my breasts or some people love their breasts. Well, you have to look back at all the things that we're being fed on a day-to-day basis. Correct. You know? And like, I have mixed feelings about the Barbie movie. I- I 100% love it. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that movie. I, I want to take my son to go see it. I also know that the backstory of it was uh, the maker of Barbie, unfortunately, battled with breast cancer. She did. She had a double mastectomy. From the get-go, we're given dolls that have perky boobs. We're seeing, uh, 
stuff on TV of nothing but perky boobs. Right. You know, right. whether you're catching your parents watching a movie that you see somebody in a bathing suit or at a young age, you know, whatever have you, or you're seeing your, your in the kids shows, like girls are comparing themselves. People are now exposed to social media where that's all it's about, or, you know, and again, body autonomy, whatever you want to do for your body, that's perfect. Flaunt it. I will say though, everybody's body is different and there's not enough showcasing the difference in boobs. And especially it's like, no, you don't realize genetics plays a lot into whether your boobs are going to be perky or not. Right. Um, stretch marks even and things like that. And it, those aren't glorified enough. However, I do think that we're coming into a time where more natural bodies are being glorified, like the birds papaya or Nelly London on like Instagram and mm -hmm. things. And I absolutely love that they're doing it, you know, and showcasing that because now I after having a nine pound, 11 ounce baby. Um, wow. Wow. A wow. Lot of marks and a lot of tiger marks and a lot of extra skin. And that was in my breast too. And I will say I was a little insecure about my stomach after having him that mm -hmm. when I met my fiance, like I was kind of hiding that and my breasts at the time. And she made me fall in love with my stomach. And it's like, wow, why did I have such a a mindset against my body about the things that literally are part of growth and journey and it created my beautiful son. We're and so hard on ourselves with our body. We're so hard. We nitpick think like, oh, if we don't like it, you can just get plastic surgery, which again, right. that's your choice. That's your prerogative. Do it. But I think that because of how accessible we've made plastic surgery and then also like how in the norm it is uh, for celebrities and on social media and whatever have you, again, I don't see it as being wrong, but I do see it as the reason of an influx as to why we are so hard on our bodies, you know? So hard. A lot of it does have to do with just, like I said, everything we're being fed and like the patriarchy and how it can, how men see our bodies and that we're all here for the satisfaction of another person. Right. So it's not just for you. But that's why to me, it has to start with our, with loving ourselves and being comfortable with ourselves. I want to go back to social media. I read this. I don't know if I'm correct, but I read that you get a lot of hate mail on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. You read that correct. Yeah. Okay. I want to check. TikTok. Yeah. It's on Instagram too. Anywhere oh, it is. They anywhere they can try to get to me. Uh, this is another reason why it's kind of hard. Uh, and you know, I am definitely in that influencer space now. However, it is kind of hard because the rules of the game of influencing is that you have to engage with people, right? right? And so like, I do my best to engage with people as far as like every so often in the comments, keep creating the videos. But all of the hate that I have gotten has turned me off from going into my comments or responding to my messages and things like that, just simply because like, a lot of it is ignorance. And I don't let it get to me in the sense of like, oh, it's going to stop me from doing what I'm doing. However, it just is so repetitive with the transphobic comments that have no place. Do you mind telling like, me some of the comments that you receive? Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, what is that creature? I got <gasps> one right before we got on there. Uh, are you a man or a woman? I, I feel bad for your child. I, you're so confused. Uh, repent. Go to <gasps> Jesus. Because again, they automatically assume Right. that I'm trans and I have no hate for my trans brothers and sisters. It's just not the case for me that right. I'm not, I won't though go back and forth with them for a minute. I, you will see a lot of other people in my comments attacking these people too. I'll get some that are, you're a woman, you should still cover up. And it's like, cover <sighs> up what? 
I have nothing there. It's skin. It's like the skin on my back. And then you get those yahoos are like, oh, well, if I cut off my penis, can I go without shorts or cut off my balls? And I'm like, that's not the same thing. It's not like I'm showing you my vagina. I'm literally like a man can run topless with hairy ass nipples, mind you. And nobody (laughs) bats an eye. But the moment I go outside topless, everybody stares. And I'm just like, hi. Hi, what's up? Ever heard of a double mastectomy? No? Okay, well, you're welcome for education. Thank you. But yeah, no, I get countless amount of hate and just ridicule for the things that people think. They're like, oh, you should have gotten at least a little bit of implants, you know, to still make you a woman. Let's go to that. Like, we can't say that your breasts equal your femininity and equal you being a woman. That is absolutely insane. Exactly, because there are so many women, unfortunately, who don't have our choice of getting them removed, and they have to fight the battle and unfortunately lose part of them. And the thing is, is again, they're not wrong for their belief that their femininity needs, they need to have boobs for that. It's absolutely not wrong. You can, if that's what makes you feel whole, do it. Correct. But again, there are, you need to understand that no part of your body because it can be taken away, should make you believe that you are one thing or another. That is your belief. That is your truth. And nothing can take that away from you. I was born a cis woman, meaning I was born a female and I identify as a female. And nothing, anything can change about me unless I wanted it to right. would make that different. Me losing my breasts, unfortunately, to this mutation didn't change that. And if I do go through a hysterectomy, it won't make me any less of a woman. I think it's crazy that we put so much emphasis on our genitals and our body parts about, you know, gender specific roles. And unfortunately, this is another reason why I feel I am so necessary in Mm -hmm. social media is because I, yes, I'm so blessed I didn't have to fight However, I do have to stand up for the women who unfortunately had to and lost and feel like these assholes are right, that they're not a woman anymore, that this is their, this is their entire now personality that it's taken away from them that they're not because they have no boobs. And I'm like, that's so wrong, babe. And I want you to realize you can be a badass feminine woman, completely bare, bald head, and you look fine as hell, like embrace it. Well, I just want to say this for people who don't follow Stephanie, we're going to put all her links You are, I hope this doesn't make you uncomfortable, but you are absolutely stunning. I look at your videos and I'm like, could this woman be any more sexy (laughs) and stunning? I mean, you are just, you, you are magnificent. Thank you, Amy. And I will say, you know, granted, I, I'm not, I am, doesn't go past me that I do have great looks, but I think one of the biggest reasons why people are so attracted to me is because I do challenge the social norms and I do it with a smile and I do it dancing in my bedroom. And I, you know, I have no problem eating all that hay and being like, okay, tell me more, please engage here. You know, when I have the time of the day, because a lot of the times when people are spewing hatred online and saying, I don't want to see this. It's like you're commenting on my social media post. You don't realize how the algorithm works, do you? You don't want to see this, yet you're commenting and watching and responding. It's going to keep coming. Coming, coming at you. Like, as much as I wish that people could, you know, be nice and we live in rainbows and unicorns, that's not the case. We don't. But my journey, my message is so important for all individuals who need it. 
And I'm here for that. And I, it doesn't like, it doesn't get lost on me that, yeah, I may have it easier just because of my outward appearance than some people, right. but I am going to use that to my advantage is that's, I was birthed this way. Well, right. as far as my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I yeah. was birthed this way. I'm going to use what I can to make as much of a difference as I can. And when people are like, oh, she made this her whole personality. I say, you you know, social media, is that's what social media is Correct. for. Do you think the people who clean on TikTok, that's all they do is clean all day? Right. Do you think the people who do makeup on TikTok or work out on TikTok, like that's their whole personality on social media, but you don't have a problem with that. You have a problem Some with, with you. me is because you're still attracted to me and you think that that's wrong. Right. That's why. And you also said something, again, I'm, I, 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 I did a deep dive on you, Stephanie. You, you also <laughs> said something, I want women to accept themselves, whether that is with or without implants and know they are not alone. I was deeply, deeply struck by that because that's why I continue to do my show. So for women to know they are not alone. Can you tell me a little bit more about that statement that I read? Absolutely. It's, I think it speaks for itself as far as just like, I think, and I have it actually tattooed on my body. You do? What does it say? Well, it's united we stand, divided we fall. And these are the women empowerment symbols on my shoulders. I got this before I knew I was BRCA positive. I truly believe in the power of sisterhood and womanhood. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that there are bad apples in the bunch. Of course. Those that we don't, we don't claim. But at the same time, I'm just like, no matter what you look like, what you're going through, just know you have a fellow sister anywhere, you know? And I wish that for everybody. I wish they had that support, that unconditional love yes. from each other and it's like you can turn to a random stranger on social media who isn't just here for the fame and the glory and whatnot no they're here to really just let you know like this is what I'm struggling with this is what I've went through in a sense you know when people are like oh be the person that the younger self needed mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. being the person that I needed just even to a, a year ago right I'm being that person to showcase and show up for the people who may not know what they're needing or what they're looking for. But then when they find my profile, they're like, oh my God, this is exactly it. Or I showed your picture to my surgeon or I showed you this is what I want. It's like that community. And just know that breast, no breast. If you're thinking about going flat, if you're thinking about explanting, if you're thinking about doing uh, flat procedures or getting implants, that's okay. But I just want you to have all of your information and know that you're not alone in your decision. And, you know, it's unfortunate that some people, and I can speak this from experience, where it's like even your own family members may not support you in your decision and what right. you're doing. Right. But again, they're not the ones having to live in your body for the rest of your life. Could Correct. you imagine if I listened to some family members when they told me, oh, you should have just gotten something. And I'm just like, that's that old school mentality that I'm hearing from everywhere. And it's like, I get, I can give you grace because it's like, "Mm, I love you. You're my family. And that's just that old mindset that you have. But at the same time, it's my body and I'm going to need you to take a step back and watch me shine. Correct. And that's why it's so important. The choice thing, because here we are with two women who made completely polar opposite choices. Like, Unfortunately, I had cancer, but I I made the choice to get a double mastectomy and it was important for me to get reconstructed to look the way I looked before. That was really important to me. And what you did is so important to you. And I just think it's so important that everyone just does what's right for them. 
and that we don't, because I think, would you say in the communities, sometimes, you know, people think, well, you should do it this way or you should, there is no right way. It's your way. There is no right way. There is no one way. There is multiple ways of getting to wherever you need to get to for you. And nobody can tell you what to do. I can't even tell you what to do when you want to go fly. It's like, I obviously have regrets about the journey I took to get here because I want to redo that, you know, Mm -hmm. and make that feel better. But again, like, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to, you know, learn as we go and just know that's okay. And nobody has it all figured out. Unfortunately, like I said, the Brussy slogan is perfect. It's the worst club with the best members. We're just trying to get out alive, hopefully. And we're all here. We don't need to be tearing each other down. We just need to be lifting each other up. No matter if I agree with anybody for doing X, Y, Z, like, who am I? I, That's not my life that I have to live. I have enough going on in my life that I should be worried about rather than worrying about anybody else. And especially if you're in this community, in the breast cancer community, I've only met one person, Mm -hmm. I think, that ever had a problem with me. And unfortunately, they dealt with breast cancer. And it just blows my mind that anybody, especially in this community, can have any say on anybody else's decisions in life about how they dealt with, you know, in that journey. And I'm just like, okay, maybe they're just coming from a place of hurt and they're just, they haven't dealt with that and they're just having a hard time and it's easier to take it out on you than it is to deal with what they're going through. Give them grace, but you got to get away from me, you know? Absolutely. How does your son know? Your son is six. Am I right? He's six. Yeah. Yes. Does he know? He definitely knows. So could you imagine one day your mom has boobs and the next day she doesn't and she's laying in bed with drains and blood and all this? That would terrorize him. So I told him when he was five, I was like, listen, mommy's going to get a blood test to make sure to just check her to see if there's anything wrong with her body. And I explained it just like that. And, you know, he was scared for me because Mm -hmm. you're getting a needle. You're getting blood taken out of your body. Oh, my gosh. Like, he's already scared of the doctors. I'm like, yeah, no, it's going to be okay. Like, it's just it's just a blood test. And that's it. And so every step of the way, I filled him in. Right. And when it came to my surgery, that's when I was so repetitive with him. Because again, I didn't want to scare him. I didn't want him to come home one day because I co-parent him. Um, I didn't want him to come home one day from his dad's and like mom's completely changed. She's, you know, bleeding. She has gauze. She has all these things. Like I'm concerned. But I told him, you know, mommy's going to have a surgery to get her boobies taken off because there's something in her blood that could potentially make her sick in the future. And what was his response? But mommy, I want you to be okay. You know, like always, always worried about me. And I'm like, mommy's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. But I did record the moment that when he finally came home and was with us again, he climbed up on bed because I wanted to show him. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. wanted to finally show him what was going on. He's just looking at me and looking at it and looking at me and looking at it. And he goes, I'm like, how are you feeling? And he's like, sad. And I'm like, why? that he's like because I missed you because your surgery and you know just being super sweet and not really understanding and I was like yeah I'm okay and you you see that I'm okay right you can see me here it's after the fact I'm okay he sees it and again it's just about explaining things Mm -hmm. and then I'm telling him you know when you get older we're gonna have to do a test for you potentially but I'll be right there with you, Bobby. It'll be okay. You have to empower them and not make things scary because the world's scary enough. Totally changing the subject. <laughs> Were you a woman who had sensation in her breasts? I did before. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it wasn't 
it wasn't anything for me really, you know, um, even before I had my son, I really wasn't the woman who craved any type of sensation in her boobs when it came to foreplay or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then especially after having my son, I was like, my mind changed on my breast and it doesn't happen for everybody that like my boobs really weren't a point of pleasure. It was just right. more so for feeding my child, honestly. And I thought, you know, I, when I started breastfeeding, I started thinking about like what our boobs function really is not what we've claimed them to be not the erotic source that a lot of no, they're legitimately sacks of fat that have milk ducts to produce milk for children or for infants and things like that. And, you know, we've warped them in time and there's nothing wrong with them. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not yucking. Nobody's yum. But for <laughs> me, it wasn't anything to me. So I do know that a lot of women and, and men actually, because obviously it can be, you know, erotic sensations for everybody. But when a lot of individuals who have to unfortunately lose their breasts or do um, tend to go the prophylactic route, they need to be aware you are going to lose sensation. Absolutely. Nobody I, talks about oh, I, I, You just took the words right out of my mouth. You just, I, I was going to say, my surgeons never, ever, ever had that conversation because I think nobody your surgeons, is. nobody talks about it because I think surgeons, God love them, are busy saving your life. But this is information we have to have. And the thing is, Amy, though, it's not always necessary to lose sensation. I, again, the breasties with all their information on one of the panels, they had a surgeon who I think that they are the actually creators of this new technique called resensation. Oh, and. It's actually something that can done can be done time of mastectomy or even a couple of months, maybe a couple of years after, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it is a surgeon who try a surgeon does the mastectomy and then another surgeon, I believe, goes and reroutes the nerves, the nerves. through this special kind of wow. like the it's your own body that they reuse and it just helps the nerves to reconnect to try to minimize the loss of sensation right. again called resensation and uh i'm drawing blanks on the people who uh, started i believe her name is emily dr emily and then um, i'm googling i'm googling it as soon as we get off i'm gonna be googling please do because it is a a great resource i didn't realize how the lack of sensation can affect individuals i had this uh this experience at camp right before the panel this woman that um, my fiance and I were sitting with, with a group of girls, and she just broke down hysterically crying in the bathroom because of the fact that she wasn't told that she was going to lose sensation in her right. breast. That was one of her biggest erotic, you know, sensations area. And so it's affected her sex life right. immensely. And she didn't even know that this was a, an opportunity, like, or this was something that she could do again surgeons don't give you all of the information unfortunately so the potentially elected to have this kind of surgery this resensation if she was a candidate for it and potentially keep her sensation in her breast now for me i absolutely completely numb in my mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. chest some people say they get it back others say they never do i don't my mother's hasn't um I, nobody i know has gotten their sensation like on certain places, as I'm touching yeah. myself again, like, you know, like under my arm, there's certain places, but for me, thank goodness, I was never a woman who orgasmed from my breasts being touched. Right. That was so for me that, but there are, but there are some women that do, but what about the partner? Right. So it could be that you 
what would, what was it like? It's Diana, right? Yes. What what is it like for Diana? If it's okay if I ask. So yeah. For my partner, it is funny, you know, obviously she's just along for the ride for mm -hmm. all of my my all my shenanigans in life. And we did get together prior when I actually had breasts. Mm -hmm. And like I, I said before, I was not in love with my boobs whatsoever. Now, mind you, I haven't posted a picture of what my boobs looked like in a very long time. And a lot of people ask about it. Mm -hmm. I, I had a son. I breastfed him for two years. They went south for the winter very soon in life. And so, like, I was always trying to hide that from her. Now, mind you, before me, she was definitely more of a boobs kind of guy. Oh, she was? And she was? Yeah. Yes. And that's what, you know... I was so surprised because like she was the one who brought up the fact of being flat to me or like not getting reconstruction with implants. All of her previous, you know, girlfriends are not all of them, but they've all had like implants and things like that. And that wasn't what was pushing my idea to mm -hmm. get them. Like I said, I thought about that since I started developing breasts in the first place. But she was one of my biggest advocates to not do it. Right. And so like I, of course... She just really transformed my whole outlook on my body in general, like my stomach, my mm -hmm. breast, everything that I ever thought was a shortcoming of me. Like she amplified it to be one of the best things about me. Oh, I and love, oh, I love that. And I will say like, you know, don't get me wrong. It was part of our sex life, my breast, but it wasn't everything because again, I wasn't a hundred percent like, oh yeah, like confident in them. I will let her, like the first time we ever had sex, I tried to keep my bra on and I was like, no, that's not gonna happen. And oh, she yeah. was like, yeah, no, we're not doing all this. We're, we're both. Oh, I, I did that too. I did. I went the lingerie, find the sexiest exactly. possible. I went that whole route. Yeah, exactly. But then it's just like, yeah, I, for me personally, to fully be with somebody, it's like to fully be there embracing with each other. And I will say, though, after the fact, like we make jokes about it when we are having intimate moments. And, you know, if I am like in different positions and I'm like, oh, remember when my boobs would pretty much <laughs> slap you in the face here? Because <laughs> like when I did have boobs, I would use all the extra skin to <laughs> kind of flap them around. And it would be funny because I would slap her in the face every once in a while. And now I'm like. <laughs> but I love that. I love like the humor, like finding the humor with all the stuff that's uncomfortable, because I think yeah. that makes it really, it makes it easier. Just laugh through correct. it. I mean, correct. you got to stop taking yourself so seriously, especially if you're in a relationship with somebody for such a long period of time. Right. Like if you can't truly be your full bare self with them, then what are you really doing? And not that doesn't always is that's not always the case because it could always be your hang up on things. But if you're not comfortable with this person that you can be fully bare and vulnerable and all this stuff, you need to rethink your relationship. And I've had too many individuals, especially women come to me and tell me how miserable their partner has made them now that they don't have breasts or that they have gone through surgery or that they've gotten diagnosed with cancer. Unfortunately, I'm like, what are you even saying to yeah, me right now? Yeah. Why are you still with them? That's right. Like, are you kidding me? That's right. These are POSs and you need to walk away. Like you have too much going on for yourself to even deal with their small egos. Like, are you kidding me? Thank God. I, I get the question a lot that it's, oh, how has it affected your dating, his, mm -hmm. your dating mm -hmm. life or whatever? And I'm like, well, thankfully, I actually haven't had to worry about going on a date with right. anybody new right. because my fiance has been with me beforehand. And 
I think about it now, though, even if, God forbid, we weren't together, mm -hmm. if I were to go start dating on anything, obviously on my social media, you're going to know that I don't have thousand percent. I yeah. look like underneath the picture. I may even show up to the first date in chains. Who right. knows? But it's, I think that the person that's going to be attracted to you is going to be attracted to you for your, they should be attracted to you for your personality. And I think that that's my, one of my biggest things going for me is like, I know I have a great personality and I know I am like not not even physically attractive but just like you know i am a good soul i am a good person and i know what i bring to the table and that goes back into our conversation about feeling secure in yourself and Correct. loving yourself and having that just self-love and so like that translate when you are time for relationships and intimacy like yeah don't get me wrong there are times where i still feel like you know oh maybe i don't feel the hottest mm -hmm. everybody has those moments but i am still hot and i still have you know my baddie of a fiance and she still wants me and i know like all the things hype yourself up even if you're faking it even for a little bit just like you have to you have to believe that in yourself because you can't sit here and put all that on your other your other person, the partner to make you feel good about yourself, you know, Absolutely like, you help, not. but it's not their job to sit there and make you feel good. Like, you know how much of a turnoff that is when somebody just like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say this in the sense of like, Oh, shame on you for feeling insecure. No, but like, if that's all you can do is complain about your outward appearance and looks and you're not actively doing something about it then I don't feel like you really care enough. I think that personally, you're just wanting a pity party. Mm. But again, within the realm of your control, of course. Right, right. But when it comes to sex, you have to, to have that great passionate fire, you have to be like completely sure about yourself or enough in your relationship that you can come perform and for yourself even. Like it could be all about you at first and then all about them, or you have a session that's all about you and it's a session all about them, like give and take, give and take and understand that the person chose to be here with you for a reason. Absolutely. I, when I got my surgery, I was in a relationship and then three years later ended up being single. So I've gone the dating route, still going the dating route. And for me, I have learned if I come in feeling comfortable, then it's all okay. But right. I cannot, if I like, if, and if a man doesn't want to be with me, then he's not the right man. Right. Exactly. That's, that's it. Got thing. my answer. Answer gotten very, very quickly. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I could like talk to you for hours. I love this game because I love games. So okay. we have these exit questions and the point of these exit questions is you answer them quickly, so it's really on instinct and impulse. I know everybody makes that face. Now, of course, if you need time to think, go ahead. But it's really like what the first thing that comes to you. What does true intimacy look like to you? Being vulnerable in all forms. Why do you think we are so obsessed with sex? I think it goes back to your childhood and a lot of like psychological things like that. But I also think it's because we have something lacking in ourselves potentially. Um, if there is like a problem with this, with sex and like that kind of problem of you're being obsessed with it, there is definitely an internal lacking, but there's nothing wrong if you're wanting to have sex all the time and it's healthy and you're like, all right, you got a sex drive, go for it. I I'm with you on that one. Uh, what, <laughs> what's something in your after, like after you have your um double mastectomy that you're still working on 
I think the one of the biggest things that I'm still working on is just trying to find my style with my double mastectomy and my flat chest now. I wear a lot of like you you don't realize how many things that are made for women that have room for boobs, mm. underwire, um, and just different fabric in this area. And I'm like, okay, I made it my mission to try to find like outfits and stuff, but I really haven't dived deep into that because a whole new wardrobe costs a lot, a of, lot money of money for sure. Yeah. I love these tank tops. I love chains and jeweled tops and things like that. But I would definitely say that is still something I struggle with as far as like bathing suits and still having cute things to wear. What is something people would be shocked to learn about what you went through? Uh, that not everybody's going to be in your corner who you think is going to be in your corner, unfortunately. Um, and a lot of people like to make things about them and what they think you should do. And at the end of the day, I mean, it. you can have somebody who looks as confident as I do. You still have bad days and you still wish the people who would show up for you would show up and put their pride aside, but it's not always going to be the case. What is one thing you'd say to someone going through what you did? It's going to be okay. No matter what, it's going to be okay. It's not going to be an easy journey, but no matter the outcome, you're not alone and you're going to be okay. You totally just got me on that. I <laughs> love, I love talking to you. I just, it's, it's so wonderful, and I'm so grateful that you're here, and I'm so grateful that you have a mission and you're sharing your story. So important. Thank you, Amy. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to reach out to me and to have this conversation because it needs to happen. And even when things seem dark, and you know, I can't say enough how blessed I am that I didn't have to struggle, but I feel for all of my brothers and sisters who do. Mm -hmm. And I just want them to know that I am here for them. I feel for them. And for everybody who's going to embark on this journey, I hope that this message and I hope the message that I put out there on social media helps in some way or form. And that, you know, we do keep pushing through as far as the awareness and the resources and just making it better for us medically. Yeah. So that way don't have to kind of work backwards with it. That's great. Thank you so much, Stephanie. You're thank welcome. You, thank you. Sex After is hosted by me, Amy Marks, and is produced by Chris DeRosa. If you enjoy the show, I'd love to hear from you. DM me on Instagram at Amy Marks and Sex After Podcast, or send me a message on my website at amymarks.com. And please follow, rate, and review the show and help us spread the word. Until next time.